Hello everyone, Dr. Alan Mishra here with another edition of the Vitality Explorer podcast. Super excited here to talk to you again this week about how we can help your physical, mental, social, and or spiritual well-being. As always, we'd like to start off with a quote, and this one is from Mahatma Gandhi. Strength, quote, strength comes from an indomitable will. Strength comes from an indomitable will. So this week on the Vitality Explorer podcast, we're going to talk about how to wage war on weakness. We're also going to talk about the differences between spiritual and emotional intelligence. And then we're going to finish with a little story about the shovel next to the grave. Our goal, our purpose with the podcast is to optimize vitality one person at a time. If you're enjoying what you're listening to, please leave us a five-star rating on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please also share this with your friends and family to enhance their vitality. Okay? You can also check out all the references to this podcast on the Vitality Explorer Substack site. There's now over 350 scientific posts and podcasts that focus on how to improve your overall well-being in a scientific fashion. So let's jump right into waging war on weakness or why building muscle enhances your vitality. Now, we've talked a lot about this on Vitality Explorers. There's lots of data on it, but I think we need to admit something that's really important and we need to discuss it and we need to talk about it. And that is weakness is the enemy of vitality. So weakness is clearly associated with a shorter lifespan and health span. So we've talked about this previously a little bit about it. Like, I don't want to live till I'm 95 and be weak and not able to move around or a burden to myself, my family, and my society. I want to live as long as I can with a health span. And I don't even want to talk about a health span. I want to talk about a vital span. So, you know, you can be healthy and not have anything significantly wrong with you, or I think you can be vital. And that's the whole thesis here is that you want to live as vitally as you can for as long as you can. And unfortunately, many, most of us have have ignored our weakness. We wait until something happens. We wait until we fall or experience significant fatigue. And I think that's one of the things we need to talk about. Why should we wait until something bad happens? Uh, We should begin today to wage war on weakness. And that doesn't matter whether you're 16, 65, or 105. We can all work on our strength. And here's an important paper we're going to talk about in that context. And it's called Grip Strength is Inversely Correlated with DNA Methylation Age Acceleration. All right. I know that's a big, big um, mouthful of words, but... Basically, this paper called Muscular Weakness, The New Smoking, and focuses on grip strength as a biomarker of aging. Now, there's a couple couple pieces of information in there. Grip strength is stupid easy to measure, and it's not even that expensive. On, on um, Amazon, you can get a grip strength digital monitor measurement device for about 30 bucks, um, and if it really is a marker of aging, you know, some people are calling for it to be called the fifth vital sign. You know, so you can measure your heart rate, you can measure your temperature, you can measure your blood pressure. But why aren't we measuring in a simple manner people's grip strength? So according to the paper, quote, there's a large body of evidence linking muscular weakness as determined by low grip strength to a host of negative aging related health outcomes, including diabetes, physical disability, cognitive decline, including Alzheimer's and early all cause mortality. Wow. 
Okay, so this paper looked at a cohort of uh, 1,275 community-dwelling Americans. That means they're not in an institution age 51 or older. And the researchers used normalized grip strength, also known as NGS, as the primary parameter. And that is just measure of grip strength divided by body weight. So you can measure people across different you know, body weights or sizes. They then looked at the biologic age of all these participants, over 1,200 of them, almost 1,300, using several different DNA or clocks that measure basically how DNA is modified by something called a methyl group. You can close your ears for a second if you don't want to learn any organic chemistry, but basically methyl groups are molecules that stick on the outside of DNA and they change how they work. You can think of them as like little regulatory switches. So they can either turn on or off how DNA really works. Okay, so DNA again works to help produce all the proteins that literally keep you alive. And here are the primary conclusions of the paper. Number one, lower grip strength is associated with accelerated aging. And the second second one is that um, higher grip strength is, is, is associated with, with um, um, fat, lower accelerated aging. Okay, so that's really, really important to understand is that this simple measurement, this simple idea of, of grip strength being associated with your aging is fascinatingly important, okay? It's it's really, really important to understand that that measurement, which you can take in about 30 seconds, is associated with accelerated aging. And if you have higher grip strength, it's protective against aging. So there's a little graph you can see about how muscular weakness is the new smoking on the Vitality Explorer Substack site. Uh, and then it goes into something you know a little bit more important. We've talked about this before, this idea of low muscle mass or sarcopenia and how it's associated with inflammation. And we know that there's tons of literature that suggests that it's associated with bad problems, again, like diabetes, heart disease, and cancer. We're gonna talk about cancer more here and again in a second. Um, but I think when you, when you think about this over time, you just don't measure it. Now, about two years ago, I started measuring it in my office um, for my patients who are at risk for sarcopenia or low muscle mass. So these may have been older people, 60s, 70s, or 80s, and I wanted to kind of just see where, where it was, okay? And so I started having people just do their left and their right hand, and I would write down that number, and this could be whether or not they came in to see me for their knee, their shoulder, their elbow, whatever it was. Elbow would be a little bit less, but let's just say it's their lower extremity and I measured their grip strength. Um, that was sort of a marker of their overall strength. And, and just for this post, I decided I was going to measure my own grip strength and then be internally competitive with myself. So you can see the measurements on the Explorer Substack site, but it was 77 pounds on the left and 96 pounds on the right uh, as of this week. Okay, So uh, there's clearly a difference on my left grip strength versus my right. And now I'm going to be competitive with myself to work on my left grip strength. And there's little hand uh, things you can use. You can also just do light weights. Anything you can do to improve your grip strength seems to be associated with better health span and lifespan. And here's another quote from the paper. Quote, grip strength is a cost-effective, reliable proxy for total mu body muscle strength that can be easily measured in the clinical or community settings across populations of children, adolescents, and adults. And, and you can look at you know, a little quick video that I put up on the Substack site about how we should all move now. But here, here's really the Vitality Explorer analysis and recommendations. Number one, and number two, and number three, weakness is terrible for our vitality. 
and we should address this as soon as possible. That means, again, if you're in your 20s, try to do a little bit of resistance exercise. You may even get more to the gym and think about this is like putting what I call money in your vitality bank account. It'll pay dividends later. If you're in 30s or your 40s, one of the suggestions I have is to, if you can, and I know everybody's super busy, but to try to participate in a sport that you enjoy or just walk, just do anything to get moving. Strength training is better and it should be, in my opinion, mandatory for anybody over 40 because that's when it starts to sneak up on you. So you may only lose one or 2% of your, your muscle mass per year after 40, um, but if you multiply that by 10, then you've lost 10% or 20%. And that starts to accelerate in your 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. And it gets harder to, to maintain it. So the sooner you begin, just much like putting money in your IRA or your 401k, the better off you are. And here's some specific tips. Begin today to just do a little biceps curl with a 5, 10, 15, 20 pound weight. Or get on an exercise bike. Exercise bikes are a form of resistance for your lower extremities. Number two is you could work with your doctor or therapist to design a program. Number three, you could also even go to the gym if you have access to one. And, and obviously, disclaimer, don't start any program without talking with your physician or personal provider first. Um, but I think it's something we also need to talk about in the context of a previous post, how muscle smashes cancer. Now, this is critically important, value, valuable information. This was uh, a previous post on Vitality Explorers, which you can see where physical exercise restrains cancer progression through muscle-derived factors. And here's a sentence from that paper. Quote, epidemiologic studies have revealed that health-related lifestyle behaviors such as high physical activity, healthy eating habits could prevent 40% of all cancers in the United States. That's incredible, right? So 40% of them, and this isn't the, the idea of when you're doing that resistive exercise, why does it work? Well, it works because your body is releasing things like called myokines. And these are little molecules that come out of your muscles uh, that help, um, help really keep you healthy and vital. Here's another uh, sentence sentence from that previous paper about cancer. I quote, a single bout of exercise induces acute responses uh, uh, that stimulate various systems and tissue adaptations and cellular adaptations that enhance tuber-resistant inflammatory responses. So when you are exercising, when you are working out, your skeletal muscle, your muscle that you use to contract your arms, your legs, uh, they are very active and they're, <clears throat> they are like endocrine endocrine organs. And the final final quote from that paper, which I want to emphasize is, quote, there's an increasing body of research focusing on the mechanistic interpretation of anti-cancer effects of physical exercise, in particular, the uh, characterization of molecular mechanisms that link exercise to tumor prevention and treatment. So this has opened up this entire idea of exercise oncology. Um, again, muscle is the muscle weakness is the enemy of vitality. Do something today. It could be just two minutes or five minutes of some sort of resisted band exercise, exercise bike or, or light weight lifting, and that is going to help your future self. So we're going to pivot off the physical part of vitality and talk about something brand new and really interesting. And that's the difference between spiritual and emotional intelligence and why believing in something bigger than ourselves can enhance our vitality. Check out the Vitality Explorer Substack site for further details. You can also sign up at vitalityexplorers.com or a free text message 
newsletter about how to enhance your vitality. But I fell into a rabbit hole this week trying to understand the idea, the concept of spiritual intelligence. And it started when I, when I read this paper called, quote, Relationship Between Spiritual Intelligence and Lifestyle with Life Satisfaction Among Students of the Medical Sciences. So these are basically medical students. And here's what the paper concluded, quote, A significant positive relationship between spiritual intelligence and life satisfaction. Hmm. Okay, so if you have higher spiritual intelligence, you are more satisfied with your life. This included 139 medical students, and the administrators and policymakers suggested that spiritual intelligence should be um, focused upon to help the overall well-being of students. So I was like, what is this? What is spiritual intelligence? I was really confused by what that meant and what it meant in the context of Emotional intelligence, which a lot of people have talked about, you know, EI or EQ. And here's a couple definitions. Emotional intelligence is the ability to manage both your own emotions and understand the emotions of people around you. And here are five key elements of emotional intelligence. Number one, self-awareness. Number two, self-regulation. Number three, motivation. Number four, empathy. And number five, social skills. All right, so how does that differ from spiritual intelligence? Well, here's, here's a definition of spiritual intelligence. Spiritual intelligence is a higher dimension of intelligence beyond the ego that has access to the advanced capabilities of the true self. Kind of sounds a little new agey, but here are some attributes that I found about spiritual intelligence. Number one, you can find and execute on deeper meaning and purpose. Number two, you can turn negative thoughts into positive thoughts and emotions. Number three, you can employ your full resources to be your best in any situation. Number four, you help others and improve society with your unique abilities. So it still sounds a little vague to me, so I had to go into a deeper dive down the rabbit hole and read a Psychology Today article about the challenging problem of defining spiritual intelligence scientifically. And according to the paper, and again, you can see the references on the Vitality Explorer Substack site, spiritual intelligence consists of these four things. The capacity to transcend physical and material. That's one. Number two is the ability to experience heightened states of consciousness. Number three is the ability to sanctify every experience, everyday experience. Number four is the ability to utilize spiritual resources to solve problems. So transcending physical the physical and the ability to reach a heightened state can manifest itself in sort of this concept of being one with all things. Again, I'm not really sure what all these things mean. Sanctification means to find meaning in everyday life. That's very interesting. And the, the final one is utilizing spiritual resources can involve like religious coping to uh, identify a value in your suffering. So I found in this brief well, it wasn't so brief because it took me a long time to even get to the point where I am right now about trying to understand what spiritual intelligence is. But I think this is an idea that we need to pursue a little bit more. Uh, and then I tried to come up with my own definition of it. And here it is. Spiritual intelligence is a belief in something bigger than yourself that transcends our immediate circumstances and influences our daily decisions. I'll say that one more time. Spiritual intelligence is a belief in something bigger than yourself that transcends our immediate circumstances and influences our daily decisions. So this belief can be religious, but doesn't have to be. And spiritual intelligence also means we understand uh, our most you know, we understand that our most vital lives can only be lived in the service of others. So again, this idea of spiritual intelligence in contrast to emotional intelligence uh, or even IQ, 
uh, is really brand new territory. Um, and this initial post, this initial podcast about it is not really meant to be a definitive answer. It's really meant to be a starting point. I encourage people to post their comments about it here on the, uh, from the podcast. You can also look at the uh, reference and abstract about the relationship between spiritual intelligence and lifestyle with life satisfaction and medical students online. Um, but don't ignore it, okay? Um, your spiritual well-being is connected to your vitality, is connected to your overall well-being. Uh, and when we talk, talk about how to live our most vital lives, when we seek to to consider vitality a skill, when we realize that vitality is a gift we can only give ourselves, the, the, the ignoring our spiritual well-being is not going to be a good idea. It is not, if you, if you ignore your spirituality, uh, and again, it doesn't have to be religious, but believing in something bigger than yourself will lead you to a higher plane. And that leads to the final discussion for this week, and that is, when will the shovel be for you? And how to live today like it might be your last. And this is a post that I put up almost two years ago. And I decided to repost it uh, and talk about it again because it's a lesson that I need to learn and relearn and relearn. And, and really the idea, and I'm going to slow down a little bit here, is that you, you'll never know when the shovel will be for you. So two years ago, I went to a funeral after an unexpected death in the family, and it was it was a terrible but also awesome weekend. And two years ago it was 2021, okay? So the pandemic was still percolating, if not raging. And I, I really wanted to go back um, to support my family and, and support the people who were really touched by this untimely death. And it was awesome because I got to reconnect with old friends and family. It's a long plane ride and I had to take a bus because there were no cars available to rent. Uh, in the middle of the pandemic. And the flight to the funeral was occupied with just unfettered, petty thoughts of what was wrong in my, in my life. But the flight back was filled with the joy of what is right in my life. And again, I traveled to support my family during a difficult time. And I've unfortunately been to many funerals. My first was my mom's when I was just nine. And my last will be my own. But when I got to the funeral and... I got to the gravesite. There was a shovel with a blue handle leaning up against a tree. And the fresh gravesite was maybe 10 feet behind this shovel that was leaning up against a tree. And it assaulted me. It screamed at me to forgive more and complain less. It asked me why I didn't think more of others and less of myself. And the shovel begged me to understand this specific statement. You do not know when I am coming for you. So when will the shovel be for you or for a close loved one? We cannot know the future. We can, however, seek to be our best version of ourselves while we wait for our shovel or our time. We can strive each day to, to help out those who are in need. We can strive to find and execute on our peak purpose. We can strive to solve the difficult problems facing our communities, our countries, and the world. But don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait until that shovel is for you. Begin today to be a better version of yourself than yesterday. Okay, and that's the shovel next to the grave. Now, I, I did that again, and I have to do this. This was literally two years ago that I, I was at this funeral. Uh, it's still seared in my mind about the shovel next to the grave. 
I try to remember in the, in the height of craziness here in Silicon Valley to pause on purpose, to be appreciative of just the small things. Go out and just look at a flower. Go out and stare up at the sky. Um, say thank you to the people around you. Connect with somebody today. We've talked about this before in this podcast, but try that 100-second challenge. Text three people today. Just say you're thinking about them. You're concerned about what the, what's going on and be thankful for them. And when what what, happen, what you might find is they may text you back, but even if they don't, you've done something to help somebody else feel, feel heard or feel wanted. Um, connection in our world is just spectacularly under-recognized as, as important. We're all pursuing a variety of different things that we think um, are, are, are meaningful, but often the things we pursue will not set us free. All right, that's a, that's a line from a Google Dolls. What, Google Dolls song, you know, what you pursue won't set you free. So I want to thank everybody for listening to this week's podcast. We've been talking about waging war on weakness. Uh, very important to maintain your muscle and your mus- musculoskeletal system, remember, is modifiable until the day you die. We've talked about a new concept of spiritual intelligence, trying to live your life on a higher plane, which is connected to that final story of the shovel next to the grave. But again, our goal here with the Vitality Explorer podcast is to take the friction out of staying vital and help you make deposits into your Vitality bank account. Again, my primary suggestion on the physical well-being this week is to get some resistive exercise. Commit to 10 minutes a day or five minutes a day. Anything matters. Also explore that idea of spiritual versus emotional intelligence. And finally, remember that you will not know when your last best day will occur. So make the most of every single precious second. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this week's Vitality Explorer podcast. Uh, Our goal, again, is to optimize vitality one person at a time. I hope we've reached at least one person out there listening to it. If you're enjoying this, leave us a five-star rating on on Apple Podcasts. Also, please share this podcast with your friends and family to enhance their vitality. And until next time, get out there and dare to be vital.